The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today I welcome Purvi Shah. Purvi, a longtime San Francisco Bay Area resident, identified a way to leverage training and a career in design with her hard-won experience in dealing with pediatric cancer for a compassion project. As Executive Director of Kids and Art Foundation, she helps other families confront the disease. The foundation teams children touched by cancer with artists. Shaw founded Kids in Art in 2008 after her son Amai was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. She sought a way to make a difference for her own child and thousands more like him. It also served to create some order in her overturned world. Amai passed away after battling the disease for six of his nine years in 2011, fighting ALL twice and developing chemo-induced AML. Shaw offers a lot to the community with her many talents as entrepreneur, connector, artist, and writer. She's also a certified yoga teacher. The foundation is both a loving tribute to her son Amai and a place where her son Arjun, now a teen, also has a role. Welcome, Pervy. Thank you, Cheryl. I'm really happy to have you here. And I want to let listeners know that we've worked together. Uh, I offered an arts workshop uh, using music to your group and it was just such a tremendous experience for me so I also want to thank you for that experience it's it's still with me I I think of it really often thank you very much for being there I think adding music as part of arts is a really big part of healing I of course I agree (laughs) because that's my my sort of primary um Mode. I I sang every day during the biggest grief in my life, and and still sing when I'm trying to access uh, my feelings. So uh, it was right on target for me and and what I like to bring. Um, and of course, just a wonderful experience with all the artists, you know that that were a part of that. So I really appreciate it. And of course, that's um, why you're here today because. Your organization, you and your organization, are um, exactly what I talk about on this show, that, that kind of the worst experiences we have as human beings sometimes um, 
bring things out of us that are that are beautiful and un- unexpected like your organization that is true um you know as you mentioned earlier in my introduction um i started kids and art you know just as a way of uh keeping my son amay who was in treatment and his brother arjun busy we you know were trying to figure out uh, our life because he was at home more than at school uh, he couldn't do play dates he didn't have a normal life for a 3 year old that's when he was diagnosed and i had no idea when i started kids and art that it would stay with us even after amay is not with us and that it would you know i use the word thrive because i feel that's what i have received from continuing kids and art i feel like i thrive in a way that i didn't think i would i don't mm. know if that makes sense yes it does make sense yes so it was a way of kind of um staying focused on what was alive and what was what was um juicy in the moment it sounds as if I don't think it started that way Cheryl I'll be very honest I kept going uh, mainly because my older son Arjun really insisted that I should keep kids and not going that's what his brother would have liked and that's what he wanted because as a sibling he really felt that kids and not had helped him a lot mm-hmm. and for me you know my husband and my son both got busy after a year you know uh, and I realized that I had no cancer in my life i didn't have to take my son amay to treatment anymore i was completely by myself just trying to figure out what to do and um you know i went back to work but it made no sense because just everything else did not seem to make sense anymore mm-hmm. and so i said okay i will give kids an art one year of my time and see if it's draining me because it's still very hard for me to see children with bald heads and i said if that happens and i will you know be true and honest with myself and not continue but somehow i just kept going and it's it'll be 3 years since i started back again so you took uh, some time off in the middle did the organization keep going when you did take that time um we weren't doing as much as we are doing now um i was very busy when ame was um re- relapsed again with AML which was the chemo induced uh cancer because right. uh, he was diagnosed in April of 2011 and he passed away in September 2011 it was very fast um you know we had no no idea what was happening so no kids and art wasn't going anywhere but we were still a non-profit we uh you know just kept it um let's just say it was in a hiatus Well that that connects with something that that um is familiar you know from talking with people every week that that um our what we do for our work follows us instead of us rushing to to make it happen or something that you really listen to yourself there about what you did or didn't have to offer and you put that central and i believe that actually shows in the organization there's a there's a very um a very solid um sense of being nested uh that i noticed in our, in in your event that i was a part of and i think that was you and the organization not just the people offering workshops and 
It's true. And I like the word nested because, you know, everyone that is involved with kids and art is there because they all really see that they're making a difference and they all truly and passionately believe, you know, all the artists, all the volunteers, uh, everyone's there uh, because they really love to see that joy or that smile in that child's face when they walk in and walk out. Um, And they all, you know, the people that started Kids and Art with me, even as volunteers, they all knew Ame really well. So they had all been through the journey with me. And I um, couldn't have started it again if it weren't for them. Uh, in fact, that was, you know, also another thing. They keep, kept asking me, it's like, are you going to start this again? You know, we would love for you to do that. So it's true. It's very warm. Uh, everyone really feels like we all belong there and we are there for the kids. And I'm glad to hear that it shows in, you know. Uh, very much so. Very much so. And, um, of course, your your mission maybe has um naturally uh, grown because of, you know, I know you started it to, to work with families with an ill child. And, na- and of course, the workshop we did was about families who had lost someone uh, to cancer. And so that seems quite natural to have that be more of a focus, um, given your own experience. Absolutely. Um, you know, when I founded it, it was found on the hope, you know, hope of we are doing this and it's going to, you know, make Ame happy and he's going to be uh, done with his treatment. He'll be out of there creating beautiful art and bringing other children. Uh, but over time, it did evolve. Um, and, you know, we became a bereaved family and I realized how hard it was to be a bereaved family. And the same year as Ame passed away, we lost five other children. Oh, my goodness. And they were all children who we had worked with uh, at our other workshops. So, you know, I just didn't know how to reach out to the other parents, and they didn't know how to do the same. And I felt like, you know, we will do it through art. And that's the first time we did our bereaved families workshop. And it was, it was really beautiful. We just painted. We all brought something that our kid, our child really liked. And we all just did our art with our artists. And yes, that's how it evolved. And we started adding siblings. Uh, They have their own workshops. And it also has grown from just doing workshops the way you saw them, Cheryl, like we brought everyone to us. Another program that we have added since then is going into the hospital and in the waiting room and doing art with the children where they need it most. Uh, that's a very high anxiety zone. Uh, I know how many hours we've spent in the six years in the waiting room, just waiting. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm thinking about our, our mutual friend, Isabel Stenzel Burns, who wrote books with her. She and her sister both had uh, cystic fibrosis, of course spent their childhoods in and out of hospitals, often together, and spent a lot of that time making pictures and mm. putting books together. And there's just something about feeling you can do something, <laughs> you know, that's, that's so very empowering uh, when, you, when there's so much you can't do anything about. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, by happenstance, uh, the continuing education program I, I run for therapists, uh, our recent session was on working with ill children and their families. And it was interesting because I had written the description and I talked in the description about what I had noticed with parents, that sense of of failure, what are we doing wrong or what could we have done or, you know, and many people objected a lot to the inclusion of that word failure as if I was saying they had failed, Mm. (laughs) you know, but then when I was reading things, uh, preparing to to be with you today, that was so uh, evident, you know, that feeling beyond reason, I should be able to do something to, uh, to make this all better, such a such a parent feeling, you know, kind of my job to make this all okay. Um, And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that, because it seems so, it's true, regardless of age. But I think with a child, it's got to be more intense. And, you know, the word failure is so apt. Maybe we don't like to use it because it has a negative connotation. But, you know, my husband and I take turns feeling like we were failures. I'm so glad we don't do that at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) That's very wise. I don't know how you arrange that. (laughs) I guess it just happens because when I see that he's down and he says, you know, and it comes out very randomly. We'll be just watching something. And, of course, it might end up being something that Ame would have liked and And, you know, the conversation will go as to we could have done more, you know, as a dad, I failed. And then I will have to be the nicer one and go like, no, we did what we could. And there are times when I go like, yes, we failed. I could have done more. I was in the hospital the whole time. I could have done more. And frankly, we both don't have answers. What could we have done? We feel like we did everything, but we still feel as parents we have failed. Uh, You know, as a child, they are dependent on us. He had no idea what we were putting him through. And six years of going in and out of chemo is not simple. Um, And watching him wasn't simple either. So, um, yes, we do feel like failures. Sometimes we pick ourselves up and get going. But at some point, you know, in your down moment when you're really not feeling it you do feel like a failure and you know how we take it back is by just going over and over about everything we could do and did and you might be surprised if I say this but sometimes we'll say like maybe a life after all this chemo would not have been good for him maybe this is better but then you know I see children who've gone through three and four and five relapses and a bone marrow transplant and they show up at my door at workshops. Mm. And that and that really sometimes makes me feel like, why not Ame? Why is he not here? And it's, it's so imponderable, isn't it? It is. And we'd it's, rather sort of have an explanation. Uh, oh, it's my fault than to yes. contemplate that it's really that random. And I do say this a lot in my head and even to friends now. You know, sometimes I, if it was a car accident, I could have blamed the driver. If it was... Drug-related, I could have blamed someone. Who do I blame for this? You know, we always yes. want to blame someone, someone. but I don't have anybody I can blame. So, uh, There's a piece of writing that you did, I Miss You, Buddy, that, that talks mm-hmm. about this. Um, uh, would you like to share that or would you like me to read it? Uh, what would be You can read best? it. I don't, I don't have it in front of me. Oh, okay. I, I, I remember it. Yeah. yeah. I Miss You, Buddy. 
I miss writing in this blog. I miss Amey. I miss. I miss, was missing him a lot, so I decided to write his blog from the read his blog from the beginning, and it was really hard for a diagnosis that had eighty five percent survival rate, and for a child at three to have a very likely chance of beating the odds. I'm left questioning the odds. I'm left at questioning the system. I've tried really hard to not put the blame on someone, but it will be three years since a May passed, and I'm still very angry. I'm angry at the fact that we let him down. I'm angry that we did not do enough. I'm angry that when it's over, it's over. There is really nothing more we can do, so we should have done even more when he was here with us. I'm angry at the treatment plan. Pumping more and more chemo is not really a humane way to treat a child. Why do we have to put kids through a protocol and treat them like a herd of cows and stamp them all with the same stamp regardless of their ethnicity and their genetic makeup? Why does the pharmaceutical industry get to decide how my child is treated? When will there be a protocol that will not be scared of taking a case because it is not going to be a success case? Sure, there is someone to blame. If the doctors are blaming his genetics, then they are really the ones to be blamed because they should have taken that in consideration after he relapsed. I miss you, buddy. None of this still makes sense to me. I'm still searching, searching for answers, searching for you. Uh, you know, he's. It's it's ironic because the other thing that was so touching to me when we worked together was that I, um, you know, sometimes when I'm with someone who has lost a person, I can't get a sense of them. But with Amei, I, I, this is not a, not a logical thing, but I felt as if he was there. I felt as if I knew him. Oh. And, um, you know, it, I know, I know with the people I've lost, there are moments when I'm just overcome by the loss. And then other moments when I feel them so present, it's, it's just so hard to put those together for me. And it's true. Uh, that happens a lot during workshops. And maybe that's why I keep going and doing them because there will be a time a child will walk in and will look exactly like Ame. Or there will be a child who will just be drawing and from the back I'll walk in and it'll, he'll look exactly like Ame. Uh, every workshop I find one such thing. Either a child picked colors that Ame would have picked or, you know, mm-hmm. was cranky the way Ame was or, you know, <laughs> because when these children are on meds, you know, it makes them really cranky. And in, of one, course. Of, in one of my blog posts, I wrote that, is he really going through PMS or chemo, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's just paradox. It's time for our first break. So we'll talk more about this when we get back. And listeners, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America to like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, etc. You can sign up for my email list as well. And to find Porvi and Kids and Art, go to kidsandart.org. Be back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. 
Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Purvi Shaw, who, in trying to bring herself and her son some joy and peace during the six years he lived with cancer, became committed to bringing art to other kids going through cancer uh, through founding the organization Kids and Art Foundation. And uh, we were talking before the break about all the imponderable questions of anyone you know, um, any calamitous event in our lives, a loss or, or an illness, um, and, and how that always seems to come, come with the big question of why and then trying to figure out who's at fault and all of that. But uh, the other thing I was saying during the break to you is that um, just honestly and deeply expressing that as you did to me, is so powerful, uh, especially for people who hold that back, you know, and don't don't express it. It seems to me better out than in. Do you agree with that? I do. You know, it is very hard to express loss, especially this kind. Uh, for me, I think I started writing the blog as soon as Ame was diagnosed because I just couldn't understand anything and writing was the only way I could explain what was in my mind. So, um, so yeah, that's, you know, sometimes you can do art, which is what I used to do as well, but I could only write it. I couldn't. If you would have asked me to say those things at that time when I wrote it, I don't think I could have shared it the way I did in my writing. Mm. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I was hoping we'd talk about is just why the arts work, you know, um, 
how how they and of course there's the obvious it's an expression but i also have this feeling i'm thinking of of um someone who was in the workshop that i that i did with music and we were i was inviting people to um sing uh songs they associated with the person they'd lost and and this man sang a song that he had sung his daughter many 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 times mm. and he was immediately completely open you know there's a way the arts open us like that uh and you know of course tears but also a really joyful voice because it connected him to her i felt um does that is that a common experience for people, do you think, when you invite them into the arts to express their, um, their emotional experience? I think so. I don't think they come knowing that it's going to happen, but they come with a lot of, you know, um, sort of questions or they might just show up. With our kids, we don't really see any reservations. They're kids. Mm. But, you know, we do see that maybe they've come in agitated or they are on a certain treatment and I know what's going on and they're shaking or, you know, they can hold the pencil or the pen or whatever we are using that day. But as soon as they start, you know, doing something with the canvas and the colors, there is a transformation. They just forget, you know, they, there is sort of like a distinction between the life that was before and the life that is now. I think art somehow has this way of create. We, we can create a space that we like, you know, and that's what I usually saw, whether it was adults or children or even myself, with everything that we are going through, um, there's someone dictating what's going to happen or what happens next. But when everyone comes to the workshop, it almost feels like they finally own the piece or they own that time. Mm. And that's the feeling I get every time. It's like, you know, even if we pair them up one-on-one with the artists, they take what they want from the artists, but then they'll put in what they really need. And it's fascinating to watch each workshop. Even if we have a theme, there's something that's in there, whether it's a five-year-old or a 35-year-old, what they create is just a sense of peace that they need and they're happy and that's all they need. And then they go on to maybe back to the waiting room or back to more treatment. But that's true. There is something. The arts does help us, you know, uh, be bring us to a space that is our own space where we dictate the terms of whether we do something or not. It's really our, it's on our terms. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you have an, a YouTube channel. I, w- I want to direct people to that at kidsinart.org you- YouTube channel. And I watched uh, one of the um, films, Why Art, that was you huh. talking about why art. So um, that certainly let me in. And the word that stuck with me from that was empowerment, mm-hmm. um, that somehow... Uh, it puts it puts people the arts put people back in charge of their experience. I hadn't thought of it quite that way, and it's in line with what you're talking about. That um, this is my experience, kind mm-hmm. of you know, and this is. But I was also really touched by the ways in which uh, you were talking about the art that your son created, and that when you look at it, it connects you to the child he was. Mm-hmm. 
as opposed to the illness experience. Absolutely. That really affected me. And, you know, Cheryl, that was a very big part of kids and art. I really wanted the doctors and nurses to see them as something other than a cancer patient. And we did a a workshop uh, at different venues, and we had the art installed at the hospital, at Lucille Packard Children's Hospital. And it was fascinating. You know, the first conversation when the doctor or the nurses saw the kids wasn't about whether you slept or you ate or how you're feeling. It was, my God, Ame, I saw your painting. You love red. And the conversation just started off in a place where I really wanted the child to feel powerful and feel like they were something other than the cancer treatment. And, and interestingly, uh, we don't always credit children with uh, the depth of what they actually, healthy or ill, are actually experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, but kids are full of, uh, uh, from my view, um, real, real wisdom. And then um, it seems as if you, you invited that with your son and you invite it with other, uh, with other kids. Do you think that there's anything about going through a very hard experience as a child that perhaps brings that out more in some children? I absolutely agree with that. I think there's a kind of wisdom and old soulness, if that's a word. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I definitely saw that in Ame, and I did see that in a lot of other kids, and I do see it now. There's something, you know, to for a child at three to stop going to school, lead a normal life, not do play dates, be quarantined, there's a new normal. For them, that's their normal. It's completely different from any other children, and that definitely makes them wiser uh, for their age, which is sad, but it is there. And uh, it's just remarkable to watch them as to how they can see things and how they just look at life in a very different way than other normal children do. What, For instance, one of uh, the things that uh, we were talking about at this workshop that I mentioned was that really kids uh, who are ill, uh, what they will express as their biggest concern is will, uh, will other people be all right? Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. well, that's not something that kids n- typically express under other circumstances, but it's very universal to kids who are facing illness. I, I find that, you know, that that's a naturally generous impulse, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and that somehow that experience has brought that out. It has. And that's why I said it's unfortunate they have to grow up so soon, but that's just the life they've seen. So that's all they know. And they they think that, you know, everyone needs to just feel fine and feel better. And somehow they want to make sure everything is fine, but they don't know how to do that. It's uh, it's really fascinating to watch. Like sometimes I do have the honor of seeing all the kids just do their thing and I just stand back and look at them. And it's it's beautiful how they pour their wisdom and their childishness in their art and you know you you see it each time it's like wow you did that how old are you and what (laughs) you know what were you thinking and where did these words come from uh it's it's beautiful and do you find that kids are uh generally 
the kids you're working with generally drawn to one form or another? Like some kids really want to write and others want to uh, make a picture and others want to sew or quilt? Or or is it kind of any form you uh, bring to them they will make use of? I think any form. That's why I keep trying different kinds of arts for them. Uh, I've tr- we've tried jewelry making, Lego design, uh, fashion, painting, collage, you know, singing, drumming. I try to give different forms to them just because the whole goal is to let them know that they can express in any way they want. And especially if they're spending a lot of time in the waiting room or in the hospital room or at home, uh, they don't have to look or wait. There's art to be done everywhere. So that's the whole goal behind Kids and Art. We try and bring everything to them, but some will like one more than the other. And that just happens. If if we ask them to do A, they're like, when are we going to start doing B? <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but I think I think us adults could take a page from that book, um, you know, in terms of I, I find adults come with really strong ideas about, oh, I do this, I don't do that. And, yes. you know, instead of just kind of, let's experiment. What would it be like to do something you never did before? <laughs> you know, it's a little bit harder, I find, to get adults on board with that. And it's so true. When we open up our workshop where the kids and the parents can work together, that gives me nightmares to plan a <laughs> workshop because then it is about the parents will stare at this canvas for at least 45 minutes before they can do anything. They are conscious. They, are, they will all say, I'm not a good artist or I don't know what I want to do. And the kids will have already made five paintings in that much time. It's just one of those things. I think as we grow older, we just put so many limitations on us or have just so many expectations that, you know, we have to be a certain way. And I don't see that in children. Well, you know, I'm, I have grandchildren. They're two and four. And even the four-year-old is more inhibited than the mm. two-year-old because somehow he's gotten the idea there's good and bad. Mm. Uh, so I think we are probably socialized to that to a degree. Um, but, but, you know, sometimes, um, since it's easier for kids to get there, you know, sometimes we can get at adults by telling them they need to inspire or, Mm -hmm. I don't know, but it is really, really curious because it is just about expression, isn't it? It is. It is. And, you know, that's why it's fun to mix the children and adults sometimes because, the adults do come back and say, wow, it was really nice to just watch the children not even think and just go for it. And that made them open up or be less conscious. So maybe that's what we need. You know, we need more interaction between, you know, the different age groups to let us all realize that life doesn't have to be A or B. It can be in many different ways. And... Would you say that was um, true for you? You know, obviously, you this this evolved out of something you did for you and Ame to have a way to enjoy time. Uh, but I wondered, uh, were there certain things that were comfortable for you to do, and others that you hesitated per- yourself personally? Um. Hmm. 
maybe I just did what I was comfortable doing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to think because when you said that, I just had my eyes closed and I was thinking about all the art that we did, uh, just Ame and me. Um, and it would be whatever I had with me at that time and we would just start working on something. So maybe I didn't go for something that I was uncomfortable with. We just went with it. We just went with the flow. Uh, whatever we had, we would start working with that. So not sure if I'm being very true with this answer. I think that you are in the sense that you you followed your instincts. And in a situation like that, you know, I know if I think about um, my wife's illness, who who died after a very, very long illness, eight and a half years, mm. um, and we had kids in the house, like certain inhibitions um, just lost their punch after mm-hmm. a while. Not at first, but after a while, it's just, oh, well, I feel like doing that. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter if it comes out. Uh, so, and also you got, you got convinced of the, of the wisdom of making art, what that did for you and Ame, and then perhaps it would be easier to try things you hadn't maybe done before because, uh, you kind of believed in its power or something. And it's true, we did. And there were times because I also had Arjun. Arjun was three years older than Ame. And the whole goal was to also keep Arjun involved since his life was impacted. If Ame couldn't go to school, Arjun couldn't bring playdates in the house. And, you know, we pretty much lived quarantined in our four walls as a family. So mm. uh, so there would be sometimes art that I could do with an older child that Ame wouldn't be interested in. But we somehow all worked on it together. And it's true, we would, we did try doing things that failed. And, um, and you know, there was fun from that too, I guess, from the failure. That I'm, I'm just glad that we did everything we did because it, that's all I'm left with, those memories of what we did. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's that's a touchstone to your life together. Mm. Yes? It is, yes. It is. And, you know, it was Mother's Day recently, and it'll be five years since Ame passed away this September, and I do not like celebrating Mother's Day, but uh, but this year I said, you know, there was something I read. It's like live for the living. And I am looking at my older son. He's a junior. He's going to leave my house in a year. And I'm, I'm going to be an empty nester three years before I had planned to. Uh, it, was, it was such a strange moment of trying to keep Ame in my life, but trying to enjoy with Urgent. There was this co- constant struggle. But yeah, I guess you just have to figure it out. Both are true. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's it's time for a second break. Um, so we'll we'll come back to that after. And uh, listeners out there, you can go to www.weatheringgrief.com to find out the other things that I do besides this show. Uh, it's got two G's. Other than that, it's just weathering like a storm and grief.com. And you can find Purvi Shah at kidsandart.org. Back after the break. Your life, your health, your network. 
You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. I'm here with Parvi Shah, the founder of Kids and Art Foundation, which matches children affected by cancer with artists to create and then auction off artistic expressions of their experience and also uh, runs... Uh, arts workshops that have that um, support families in bereavement. Um, so I was telling you during the break that I'm having this really strong picture of you at the table with both of them making art. And of course, sometimes you you mentioned you were in waiting rooms and uh, isn't there just an endless um, experience of waiting when you're dealing with illness so I'm thinking about how that must be I know what it was like to be in the waiting room with an adult hour after hour after hour and I'm trying to project myself into the experience of doing that with a child a very young child Um, I don't I think people underestimate looking from the outside the amount of um boredom I guess <laughs> you know the amount of you can't leave but you can't uh, and uh, I just wonder if you could talk about uh, the impact of art on that because I could imagine it was tremendously liberating to have something to do <laughs> so the whole waiting room it almost feels like you're in a slow motion movie. Mm. Um, you know, initially you really don't know what's going on because when it's new, you're just scared every moment. And little by little, you start seeing the same faces every time you go in and you don't realize, but you're start, starting to create a tribe of your own. Ah. And it's not of your making. It's not that you chose those friends or they're not even your friends, but you chose those people to come and be in your life. And then 
after a while, you, you suddenly become a veteran and you don't realize that until you see someone who's completely new and scared like you were in the beginning and that's when it hits you. Wow, I've been here for a really long time. Ah. That I can, I can sense, you know, when I look at all the parents' faces, what they're going through or, you know, what appointment they're waiting for or why they are here. It's not a fun feeling when you sort of just sit there and are able to analyze just what is going on in that room. It is very scary. It's sort of, uh, I know from uh, working with people with cancer now, it's like we're all in a club together none of us want to belong to. Nonetheless, we're very connected because of that. On some level, uh, whether we have everything in common or not, there's that commonality of experience. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's 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 why I use the word tribe because that's what ends up happening. It's like you're sitting there, you know, your child is in for a very long procedure, and you really don't know if they're going to come out. And somebody else who's been there senses it and just comes and sits there next to you. Sometimes people just know that you don't need words, and sometimes they know you do, and it's that for me was really a turning point in realizing that this is my life now. This is me. This is our new normal and a new reality. Uh, And I have to just accept it and go with it. And that's, again, as I said, it's very scary. But once you do that, I think you find a little sense of peace because you are understanding the, you know, ebb and flow of whatever you're going through doesn't mean you you understand by controlling it, but you at least understand where you are and what these people mean to you. Well, and also, I mean, there's this sort of parallel thing that I think is underneath what you're saying, that on the one hand, it's the worst thing you can possibly imagine going through. And on the other hand, there are these moments of true open connection that happen because you're going through it and so are they. Uh, uh, I, I, for myself, became a lot more comfortable connecting with people during that period um, because it was like water in the desert to connect, you know, and to feel as if people kind of got it, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at this at this very deep place. And that's, uh, you know, I, I don't subscribe to the blessings of cancer uh, thing but (laughs) there are moments of blessedness um, when we're going through those really hard places where it's stripped down and when someone touches your shoulder that has so much meaning Mm -hmm. and and is so helpful so I wanted go ahead no and it's so true when you said that there were a few images that came to my mind um And it might sound really strange, but maybe you've been through that too, Cheryl. We, at some point, started having a bag ready to go right by our door. Mm -hmm. We just never knew when we would be inpatient or when we would come home. So there would always be this bag in our trunk because we didn't know if we were in for a a blood test. And they might say, sorry, you can't go home. Yes. And it's those people in that waiting room got it they understood that and after a while just walking in the hospital it was like 
your normalcy. Everyone knew you since you walked in. It was so strange. People outside didn't understand you, but people in there totally understood you. Yes, that's that's kind of what I was talking about. That's very familiar. Uh, in fact, we made really close friends with some of her oncology nurses, and mm-hmm. when she couldn't go out anymore, they came and hung out on her bed with us. You know, I yep. mean, there's really a strong, strong bond that that develops sometimes. So that's really familiar to me. I don't, I don't want to uh, let us get away without talking about um, Arjun. And um, I wanted to start that by sharing this piece you wrote about trying to take a little trip. Um, I think this was a little while ago, so we can check in about, you know, what's what's going on with it now. But as you said, he's he's uh, he w- he's older than his than the older he's the older of the two, and you were trying to take a little getaway. So let me read that and and see where he is with all this now. We're trying to plan a short getaway for President's Week. Let me say we have been trying for over two weeks now. Every idea my husband throws out, my teenage son throws it right back with some kinks in it. Too much driving, boring. What is there to do in that city? So then I say, staycation. Let's stay in a hotel locally and enjoy city life as a tourist without really going too far. But both of them give me a thumbs down. So we're back to the drawing board. Where are we going? What should we do? Oh, forget it. It's too much work. We're not going anywhere. That's it. After a few hours, my son says, let's go with someone. Can we ask our family friends to join us? My cousins to come with their baby? That's when it hits us. Our son is not being a brat. He just does not want to go away with us. By us, I mean the usual three of us. The usual three of us is still not so usual, and I thought that we were the only ones that felt that way. I did not realize that it was unusual for our son, too, but he never really made it that obvious. We asked him if his brother was still here. Would he have opposed so vehemently to going away, and he said no. That sank our hearts. It's only now that he is growing and learning to express his emotions do we get to see snippets of his life where his brother's loss is obvious. We do worry about that, but we do not know what to do. We try and do vacations with family and friends. We go away to visit relatives. We invite his cousins to spend summers and other holidays with us. We are reconnecting with lost contacts. But after all is said and done, it will always just be the three of us now. We unfortunately cannot change that. He is only with us for three more years before he is off to college, and we are desperately trying to make memories as a single-child family, but I'm not sure if we are doing a great job at it. We look at other families who have only one child and wonder how they do it. Do they obsess about the child? Are they constantly in each other's space? Do they overcompensate? Three years since we have become a single-child family, we catch ourselves sometimes obsessing about things that shouldn't really matter. We look at each other and go, what are we doing? And then suddenly we think about the fact that we will be empty nesters in three years. We hadn't planned that. We were expecting another child to be with us for three more years after the first one left for college. And that thought says, wake up. It's not just you. Even your teenage son is feeling the imbalance of his new single child status. So what do we do? 
As parents, we should have answers for everything, right? Our child should be looking at us for a path if he is feeling rudderless. But what happens when we are all on the same boat, lost, astray, and rudderless? We can either give up and throw our hands in the air and sink, or we can try and row ourselves ashore. I think that is what we will try and do. Figure out a way to row ourselves somewhere as a team of three. Sorry. No, no sorries. <laughs> that makes me cry, so I can well imagine that you cry when you're hearing it instead of reading it. I have to report, though, that I don't think we've done much better since then. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, in a way, um, what I was thinking at the end, you you were kind of saying, we haven't done it right. And yet, in a way, I felt you had done it exactly right. Like, you you listened. You were curious. There isn't any reason you would absolutely know that what he was experiencing was his his brother's absence because I have to tell you, teenagers don't always want to go away with their parents, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to me, the fact that you hung in there with it, with all of the discontents until it got spoken to me was very beautiful and everything right, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's hard to see that from the inside, isn't it? It is hard. And, you know, as he's growing, uh, it, we do struggle to understand whether it's teenage behavior or whether it's something to do with, you know, the loss that he has felt in such a young age. So we are still at loss and we are still trying to figure that out. Um, Another thing that we try really hard to do is not keep reminding him that we miss Ame because we feel like that would be really hard for Arjun to always on his good days to say, oh, wish if Ame was here, or if he was doing something good, we would say, oh, I wish Ame could have done that. So we are really trying hard not to play that, you know, game, but it's just left us, you know, constantly wondering whether we are doing the right thing. So sometimes I guess we are, and sometimes we don't know what we are doing, but we're still trying to figure it out. And I think we are Finally, all three of us realize that that's, that's what's going on for all of us. So maybe his becoming slightly older has helped us that we can all try and say, that's okay, we are all feeling this way. Uh, it's not just my husband and myself trying to think about what Arjun is going through, but I think together we can have those conversations. And I, I do feel that that is a better place to be so that at least we can share our thoughts and our feelings. Well, and, and you know, um, because you were there at the end of that workshop with me and many other times that I wasn't there, that at the end of sharing our, um, our not knowingness, there's a beautiful feeling. You know, it's okay to be in the boat and not know exactly where we're going sometimes, yes? Uh-huh. So I, I think um, it's the it's the intention or the you know, and of course I'm thinking about my children who are all grown now. They're 23 to 35, and how they're the go-to people when someone has a hard experience, mm. because they are not afraid of it, 
And um, that's from kind of living with a question mark and, and becoming more comfortable with that, I feel. So that's the future, I guess. Absolutely. absolutely. Thank, thank you so much for being with me today, Purvi. It's, it, I've really enjoyed us, us talking together for this hour. And I'm sure we'll see each other again. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for having me on today. Of course. Next week, I'll welcome Nora McKinnerney Permont to talk about her book, It's Okay to Laugh, Crying is Cool Too, a memoir about her husband's life, their love, their experience with his cancer and his death when she was just 32 and had a two-year-old child. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Thanks 